One of the most controversial concepts concerning Bible prophecy is the belief that at the end of the church age and following the conclusion of the tribulation, Jesus will return to this earth to reign for a thousand years. The Catholic Church rejects this idea, and so do the majority of Christian denominations. So, what about it? Is Jesus returning to reign or not? For the opinions of 13 Bible prophecy experts, stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. This is our fifth week in a series of programs in which we are featuring 13 Bible prophecy experts responding to questions about the book of Revelation. If you have missed our previous four programs featuring these interviews, you can watch them at our website at lamblion.com. In this program, we're going to seek the answer to one of the most controversial questions in Bible prophecy, specifically, is Jesus going to return to this earth to reign in glory and majesty for 1,000 years from Jerusalem. Here now are some of the answers we receive from our Bible prophecy experts. <laughs> I love this question uh, because in my background uh, I went all over this. I was raised uh, in a church that did not believe uh, in the thousand year reign of Jesus. I had many sermons in my memory that said there's not one verse of Scripture that ever says Jesus is going to come to this earth. But yet in Revelation 20 it says six times they came to life and reigned with Jesus for a thousand years. Six times a thousand years. Now how do we get the term millennium? Uh, millianum is thousand years uh, in the old Latin Vulgate. So there is going to be a thousand year period under which Jesus reigns on this earth. And if you have to uh, take, if you can't take the Bible literally, then it's easy to allegorize that. I've heard sermon after sermon saying, well, this could just be representative of 10,000 years or whatever. And uh, man, if you're going to start that, we can also take liberty to believe that creation lasted 60 billion years instead of six days, and you get the idea. Yes. There's going to be a 1,000-year reign of Jesus on the earth, and it, and it says it six times in Revelation 20. Yes, I do. I believe that with all my heart. Uh, there are no, any number of reasons, and the most obvious reason uh, is that it says so, and that He's going to, to reign for 1,000 years on this earth. And uh, another reason is that if you, if you look at other texts in the Bible, in the New Testament, you'll see that God's people are going to reign. Paul talked about this. will reign uh, with God on this earth. Uh, go back uh, to, to Isaiah chapter 11. And I find this interesting in light of some of the new ideas uh, that we are seeing today. The church is not going to produce Romans chapter, I mean Isaiah chapter 11. There's no way the church is going to bring in a utopia. This idea of dispensational, uh, uh, this idea of dominion theology and that kind of thing does not fit with Scriptures. And probably most importantly, if you go to the second Psalm and look at verse 8, you see that it is God the Father that gives the kingdom to the Son. 
not the church. And when you take all of these things and put them together with what has been plainly said, I think the only conclusion can be that Jesus is going to rule on this earth from David's throne for 1,000 years. Yes, I do, uh, because uh, Revelation 20 is a physical prophecy on Christ that he must fulfill. Not only that, but Isaiah 9, uh, verse 6 and 7, the scripture declare that Christ would sit on the throne of his father David. The Bible says that, uh, that the authority, the seat of government would be on his shoulders. Uh, we know when Christ came the first time, he never officiated uh, as the true king of Israel. He came into Jerusalem on a donkey, but uh, next few days they rejected him. Uh, the millennial kingdom is a physical prophecy. I believe that he will physically fulfill. So, so therefore, I believe that uh, Revelation 20 is a literal prophecy that Christ must fulfill. Yes, I do, because there's so many, uh, there's so many uh, pertinent scriptures uh, that pertain to that uh, in, in, uh, in, in the uh, Revelation chapter 20. And uh, there's so much uh, talked about there. And also you can find references to it throughout, uh, particularly the Old Testament. Um, uh, you can find references uh, or general references uh, to an era that's coming, uh, particularly where, uh, where Israel will be uh, uh, the head of nations during that time, where, for example, there's a throne upon which David would, will sit with, as co-regent with Jesus, Jesus uh, being the king of kings over all the universe, all, all that is, and David being, uh, being the region over the uh, millennial uh, Israel. But the nation Israel, I think, itself is proof that there's a thousand years reign. I want to start out with some scriptures, Dave. Uh, but thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be, what? Ruler in Israel. Not very hard to understand. The Lord of hosts shall reign where? In Mount Zion and in Jerusalem. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice where? In the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely, and this is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. And the Lord shall be king, where? Over all the earth. He's coming back as king of kings and lord of lords. I do believe in a literal earthly reign of Jesus Christ. Now, the reign of Jesus Christ is mentioned many times in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, it never tells us how long he will reign, but we know in Revelation 20 that there are six passages about things that will last for a thousand years. And I believe that refers to the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ. Uh, when the Bible says something one time, we should believe it. But when it says something six times, I think God knows that a lot of people are going to have trouble believing it. And he's trying to get it through their thick skull that his son is going to reign on this earth for a thousand years. Now, I know that some people they say that the millennium, that just means a long period of time, and they'll say that we're in the millennium right now. My understanding of the millennium is that it will be a time of peace and justice and righteousness on earth, and we don't have peace and justice and righteousness on earth. We've got just the opposite of that, uh, un injustice and all that kind of thing. 
The rock in Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel 2 is Jesus coming back to replace the kingdoms of the earth with his, with his kingdom, and it will fill the whole earth. So we're not living in the millennium now. Uh, Jesus, Jesus didn't tell us to pray, thank you, God, for establishing your kingdom on earth right now. He said, uh, pray, you know, uh, that, that it will come. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe in a literal thousand-year reign of Christ. Our guests are responding to the question, is Jesus going to return to reign for a thousand years? Because he says six times in that passage, a thousand years, a thousand years, a thousand years. It's almost like he wants you to understand it's a thousand years. Trying to make it symbolic has really never worked, uh, and trying to make it literal in the past has never worked. It's got to be a literal kingdom that comes in the future. The order of events in Revelation Christ has to return after the tribulation judgments. He has to defeat the beast and the Antichrist, cast them alive into the lake of fire. They remain there for a thousand years. Satan's bound in the abyss for a thousand years and he can't get out. Then at the end of the thousand years, he's released. Uh, Well, when in the world is that going to happen? And if you try to say the whole thing is spiritual, when is Satan bound spiritually? When is he released spiritually? And what is the purpose of all of that unless there's a literal thousand-year kingdom on earth, and that that kingdom is then later merged into the eternal kingdom of God and the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem. Well, because it says six times that Jesus will reign for a thousand years. It'll say Satan will be sent to a pit for a thousand years. The saints will reign for a thousand years. Uh, There will be a second resurrection of the unjust, all those who rejected God throughout history at the end of the thousand years. Six times it says a thousand years. So to me, it's a no-brainer. It just is. Is that it's A thousand years is a thousand years in Revelation 20. The Old Testament tells us about the Messianic kingdom. Many, many times there are prophecies about the Messianic kingdom, but what it, it doesn't say is how long it's going to last. Is it going to be forever, forever and ever? Or is there a specific timeline? We're simply not told. We're not given that information in the Old Testament. We're not given the information in the Gospels. We're not given the information in the Epistles. It's the last book of the Bible that gives us the time frame of the Messianic kingdom on earth. And for six times, he says it's a thousand years. Uh, Kilia. And uh, a thousand years, a thousand years, a thousand years. So why would we assume it's anything other than a thousand years? So, uh, yes, I believe it's a literal thousand years, and uh, God was providing that information right there at the capstone of the Scripture. Yeah, I think Revelation 20, that's kind of the the classic text about the millennial kingdom of Christ or the thousand-year reign of Jesus. And the reason I think it's talking about a literal 1,000 years, there's several basic reasons. One is the the word 1,000 is used six times in seven verses. So why would you keep repeating a time period over and over again if it's symbolic? You know, some will say, well, a thousand years just means a long time. It's just symbolic of a long period of time. The problem with that is in Revelation 20 and verse 3, it says that Satan is going to be bound for a thousand years. And then it says at the end of the thousand years, he's going to be released for a short time. 
well, if thousand years is just symbolic of a long time, why didn't he just say, well, he's going to be bound for a long time and released for a short time? Or say, he's going to be bound for a thousand years and let go for ten years. You know, the fact that there's a specific statement of a thousand years with this non-specific statement of a short time, to me, indicates clearly this is a time period we're to take literally. Also, in the early church, for the first 300 years of the early church, they believed that Jesus was going to come back and literally reign on the earth for 1,000 years. And even Papias, one of the early church fathers who studied under the apostle John, that's what he believed. And you'd think Papias would have known what John had taught. So uh, to me, the fact that the early church held this view, and just the text there of Revelation 20 itself, gives us, I think, a a strong uh, uh, evidence that Jesus is going to really reign on the earth when he comes back for a thousand years. It's going to be that great messianic age that really this utopia that man's always hoped for. There is no justification whatsoever to allegorize Revelation uh, chapter number 20. I believe it is a literal, physical, bodily reign of Jesus Christ on this earth. When he comes back at his second coming, Dr. Reagan, he's coming back to a literal earth. He's going to be reigning in a literal city, the city of Jerusalem. And he's also going to be reigning over literal nations on the earth. So there is no justification whatsoever to spiritualize and allegorize that and say he's coming back in our hearts or there ain't going to be no 1,000-year millennial kingdom reign as the amillennialists are teaching all over this country. Uh, That is a physical, literal, bodily reign of Jesus Christ here on this earth. Glory to God. I hope you're enjoying these interviews with such a variety of Bible prophecy experts. The Lord willing, we will continue with them next week. But I'd like to spend the rest of this program discussing the millennium with my colleague Nathan Jones. Nathan, thanks for joining us. And uh, this is quite a topic we've got ahead of us here. I'd like to start off just by chatting with you for a few minutes about the Old Testament itself. I grew up in a non-millennial church, a church that did not believe that Jesus would come back and reign. And we never studied the Old Testament. We, We were New Testament church. And we had three mantras or mantras uh, in our church concerning this issue. Number one was all Old Testament prophecy has been fulfilled. Not a one left to be fulfilled. And they based that on a statement by Jesus in Luke 24 verse 44 where He said that um, uh, all things which are written about Me in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Well, it, certainly they must be fulfilled, but it doesn't mm-hmm. say they already have been fulfilled. Exactly. There's lots of prophecies about the second coming in the Old Testament. And the second mantra was uh, old, the Old Testament was nailed to the cross and therefore is completely irrelevant to us today. And that was based on Colossians 2 and uh, there in verse uh, 14 where it speaks about having canceled the debt consisting of decrees against us which was hostile to us and is taking it and nailed it to the cross. Old Testament nailed the cross, that's it. That doesn't say the Old Testament was nailed to the cross. It says the debt, the debt of sin that we owed was nailed to the cross through what Jesus did on the cross. Exactly. Yeah. And the third mantra was there's not one verse in the Bible that even implies that Jesus will ever put His feet on this earth again. And well, I discovered some in the Old Testament, like Zechariah 14, which says He's coming back to the Mount of Olives, and when His foot touches the mountain, it is going to be split in half, and He will become king over the earth that day. And the other one I discovered was in Ezekiel chapter 43 and verse 7, where God says, This city, Jerusalem, is the place where the soles of my feet will be forever. So, there are some references to it. 
But let's, let's look for a moment at this fundamental issue. Is the concept of the millennium mentioned only in the New Testament? I, I've had amillennials just kind of scoff and say, well, it's only mentioned in the book of Revelation in one chapter. As if that makes it irrelevant or unimportant. If something's mentioned in one verse, to me it's important. But they just seem to be completely oblivious to the fact that there's any mention of it in the Old Testament. Is there any mention of the millennium in the Old Testament? Oh, definitely, definitely. Matter of fact, when you asked Lay me about us, that, <laughs> I actually went and researched, and I have four pages just of <laughs> verses, and I, that doesn't even include the longest, which is Ezekiel chapter 40 through 48. Yeah. I mean, there is nine chapters right there that's purely about the millennium. Well, give but, us an example. Well, uh, let's take Psalm 2, 6 through 9. One of my favorites. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. All right, Psalm 2, 6 through 9. I've installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will proclaim the degree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. I mean, that is probably the first one that we've got there in our list that talks about Jesus will have a kingdom on earth, a physical kingdom where he will rule over the nations of the world. Not in a spiritual sense, though that's certainly an aspect of it, but a physical rulership where he is on the earth. Well, and there's so many like that. Uh, You know, one that immediately comes to mind is over in the uh, book of Isaiah uh, in uh, chapter 9, I believe it is. Uh, which is one that people quote all the time, but they just seem to spiritualize the uh, part of it. it Isaiah, Isaiah 9, and beginning there with verse 6, the government will rest on his shoulder. Well, a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. That's the birth of Jesus. That's the birth of the Messiah. And then it jumps, and it says, the government will rest on his shoulders. That didn't happen in the first coming. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. And on the throne of David, which is in Jerusalem, he will reign to establish and uphold justice and righteousness for then forevermore. Well, he's never reigned on the throne of David. He has never established peace and righteousness on this earth, but it's going to happen one of these days. How can we ignore passages like this? We can't. And a lot of people ignore them. They spiritualize them. And you and I, I guess, had a different upbringing. I went to a lot of churches growing up, and they always taught that the Old Testament was important. And I grew up learning about these verses, and it, it's kind of surprised me to, when people say, well, we never learned the Old Testament. What a blessing really? you had. Uh, it was. You know, I, it was I think, really for example, of uh, the very first <clears throat> gospel sermon ever preached was by Peter on the day of Pentecost. And what did he do? Mm-hmm. If you go and read that sermon in Acts chapter 2, all he did was quote the Old Testament. The prophet said this, Jesus fulfilled it. The prophet said this, Jesus fulfilled it. The prophet said this, Jesus fulfilled it. People say, what do we, what's we do to be saved? Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and he said to Timothy, you have known from childhood the Scriptures that are necessary to lead you to salvation. That's talking about the Old Testament. Yeah. New Testament didn't exist when he was talking about that. Jesus' whole ministry, he's quoting Scripture. <laughs> Everywhere you read, he's quoting what we didn't have an Old Testament we and call? New Testament. Yeah, what Old we call the Old Testament. Well, one of the greatest of all of the prophecies I know of in the Old Testament about the millennial reign of Jesus Christ is in Isaiah 2. How about taking that one for us? And just That is so beautiful, so great, so powerful. Why don't you just read it? We'll put the, we'll put the, uh, the words on the screen so that sure. people can see it. Okay? Isaiah is great for talking yeah. about the millennial reign. This is Isaiah 2 beginning in verse 2. In the last days... The mountains of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills, and all the nations will stream to it. Just just stop there for a moment. You know, all the nations. One of the things that you can learn in Bible prophecy is there is a lot of symbolic terms, but they have literal meanings. Mm -hmm. And when you read uh, Bible prophecy, you will discover that whenever it refers to mountains, it's always referring to a kingdom unless the mountain is specifically named. Mm -hmm. So basically, what this is saying here is in the last days, the days we're in now, then 
the kingdom of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of all the kingdoms. Go ahead, verse 3. Okay. Many people will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways, so that we may walk in His paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for my people. And here's that verse that we love to talk about in Bible prophecy. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Now, that hasn't been fulfilled. I mean, you just read the news and watch and there is war constantly. But here we're talking about a time period where there will be no war on this earth. We will live totally at peace with the Lord ruling from Jerusalem. I mean, right there, that is a major verse about the millennial kingdom. You have to kingdom. do mighty acts of spiritualization to get around that one. <laughs> exactly. It, it's very clear. And you know, exactly. the interesting thing to me is that the prophet Micah has almost the same prophecy word for word. Either they borrowed from each other or the Lord gave to both of them the same vision, the same concept, mm-hmm. the same wording. But in Micah chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, he has exactly the same words. Mm-hmm. And then he adds some things to it. Uh, He says uh, that in that day I will assemble the lame and gather the outcasts. And he says uh, uh, that uh, I will make the lame a remnant and the outcasts a strong nation. The Jewish people will become the prime nation of the world. And the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion. The Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion. Has He ever done that? No. Mount Zion is Jerusalem. And from now on forevermore He's going to reign. And and He even says in verse 4 that each will have their own vine, his own fig tree. uh, There's not going to be any homeless people, any hungry people. All needs are going to be met. It's a time that has never occurred in the history of the world. It has to be future. Oh, and and what's wonderful about it is is the curse that is on humanity right now. I mean, it's hard to grow anything. I I can barely grow anything (laughs) but onions around here. You know, the the childbearing pains, everything that was cursed on the earth to make it difficult to live will be partially lifted during that time period. So, we get into the verses that talk about the child playing in the pit with the adders and the wolf lying down with the lamb. In other words, there is peace between the animals and humanity during that time that there's not that fear of dying anymore. Well, you just mentioned one of my favorite passages in the Old Testament about the millennium. That's from Isaiah 11 Mm -hmm. uh, where he speaks about the impact upon the the environment. It's not just going to be uh, a time of refreshment for us, but for the whole of creation. Jesus died for all of the creation to be renewed and refreshed. And He says there uh, in Isaiah 11 verse 7, the cow and bear will graze together. These are natural. He says in verse 6, the wolf will lie down with the lamb. The wolf who wants to eat the lamb. They're going to lie down together. The leopard will lie down with the kid. The calf and young lion and fatling together. The little boy will lead them. Cow and bear will graze. The young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. There will no longer be any poisonous animals. It says the nursing child will play with the hole of the cobra. It won't be poisonous. There won't be meat any animals. They'll go back to be vegetative. But all of nature will live in peace with each other and with man. When did that occur? <laughs> Never. And all this talk about Jerusalem. I mean, the whole world is fighting to take control over Jerusalem right now. And people are wondering, you know, are the Palestinians going to take half or not? But you know, we can look in Isaiah 33, 20 through 22, and it says, Look upon Zion, the city of our festivals. Your eyes will see Jerusalem, a peaceful abode, certainly not now, a tent that will not be moved. Its stakes will never be pulled up, nor any of its ropes broken again. And it skipped down to 22. For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, it is he who will save us. Jerusalem will be the capital city of the planet during the millennial kingdom. I'm convinced that many people who have a non-millennial viewpoint which is based upon spiritualization of Scripture do so because they simply cannot accept 
what the Bible says is going to happen with regard to the Jewish people. Yeah. Because during the millennium what God's going to do during that thousand years is He's going to fulfill all the promises that He has made to Israel. All the unfulfilled promises will be fulfilled to a group of Jews who are believing Jews who really believe in the Messiah. He's going to regather them from the four corners of the earth in belief. Right now He's gathering them unbelief. Reestablish them, and they, he's going. That all the blessings of the world are going to flow out through Jerusalem and through the Jewish people. It's so much so that Zechariah says in Zechariah chapter eight, and beginning with uh, uh, verse twenty-two, many peoples and mighty nations will come to seek the host in uh, the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem to entreat the favor of the Lord. And thus says the Lord of hosts. This is incredible. In those days. Ten men from the nations, Gentiles, will grasp the garment of a Jew and say, let us go with you for we know that God is with you. It's going to be exactly different, uh, opposite from what it is today where the Jew is the object of persecution, the object of, of blasphemy and everything else. You know, uh, you pour it all on the Jews, blame everything on the Jews. In that day and time people are going to say, can we walk with you because we know God is with you. What a day that's going to be. Oh, it's amazing. And you think God has some promises. He has promises to the Jews like you just said. He has promised to His Son. Jesus, you know, He has promised that He's going to rule and reign over the earth. And he's we're going waiting to get for the that. glory and majesty He didn't get the first time. And like you read, we have the promises that He's got to the earth to yeah. restore it. And fourth, He has promises to the church. We have a place in the Millennial Kingdom to rule and reign with Him as administrators and teachers and things like that. I mean, so all these promises that God made aren't going to just not go. God always follows His promises. And in the Millennial Kingdom, He is going to fulfill those promises. Yes, it's not just promises to the Jews. It's promises to the church as well. Because Mm -hmm. uh, you just mentioned something very important. In Daniel 7, he has a vision in which he sees God the Father giving the kingdom to the Son. And then it says there, the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom also and possess the kingdom. And it says in verse 27, the sovereignty, the dominion, the greatness of all the kingdoms of the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. That's you and me. We're going to reign together with Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said, one of the degrees of reward that we will receive is some will rule over one city, one over five, one over ten. We're going to reign with the Lord Jesus Christ in our glorified bodies. And that's not just Old Testament. No, you can the find New that Testament. in the New Testament as well. Second Timothy, you made me think of Second yeah. Timothy 2.12. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we disown Him, he will also disown us. We will reign with Him. I mean, isn't it amazing that we are just so not worthy, yet through Jesus' blood, through His sacrifice, He elevates us to a position of servanthood to Him where we rule and reign over the people in the Millennial Kingdom who are living there in their earthly bodies because the church will have it be raptured and we'll have our glorified bodies then. I mean, I, I, I just get so excited. I look so much forward to the Millennial Kingdom primarily for the peace that the Millennial Kingdom promises. That idea that all the craziness of the world will no longer be there. And we'll actually have peace. And I, I hope God gives me a, a big garden to be in charge of. And I'll just garden for the thousand years. I'm looking forward to that. Well, folks, that's our program for this week. I hope it's been a blessing to you. And next week, the Lord willing, we'll present another program in the series as we ask each of our 13 Bible prophecy experts a very personal question about why they have given their lives to the teaching and preaching of Bible prophecy. Until next week, the Lord willing, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for your redemption is drawing near. Dr. David Reagan's book, God's Plan for the Ages, contains a comprehensive overview of all aspects of Bible prophecy. It's written in an easy-to-understand, down-to-earth style that you will find appealing. In addition to all the prophecies concerning the first and second comings of the Messiah, it deals with a host of other prophetic questions, such as, What happens when you die? What will heaven be like? What's the future of the earth? 
Where is the United States in prophecy? When is the rapture most likely to occur? Is the Antichrist alive today? Are there signs of the times that are unique to our day and age? The book contains a variety of charts and diagrams which illustrate various aspects of Bible prophecy. The book is available for a gift of $15 or more plus shipping. To get a copy of God's Plan for the Ages, please call 1-800-705-8316 Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time and ask for it by name or order online at lamblion.com. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministry, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.